Hello and welcome to The Haunted. I'm Freddie Young. And I'm Vanessa Mitchell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, guys, listen, we have, um, there's been a bit of an absence from us and I have tried to uh, keep you all posted and let you know what's been going on. So, obviously, I posted um, on our social media that illness has struck the house. Oh, Goodness. Struck. I don't think I've ever been as ill in my whole life and I actually mean that. I have been <clears throat> ill for four weeks solidly. I mean, solidly. It's just been horrific. So, listen, guys, but we are back with the long-awaited, long-anticipated episode on Dracula. Um, obviously, we've had to... There's been a couple of episodes since we promised it to you. But, listen, we've had storms. We've had power outages. Yeah. We've had illnesses. We've had... Pestilence and disease and plagues. There's been a death. Listen, it's all gone. I'm moving house. Oh, We're currently surrounded by well, boxes. I just moved house four weeks ago, and now Freddie's moving house. So, guys, I can but extend my apologies, but hopefully this episode will make up for it. Um, we appreciate all of you listeners that have been listening since we've been gone because. Uh, listeners have still stayed strong, still stayed up. Are they um, listening to our other back episodes? Back then? episodes, yeah. and we've had lots of well wishes, lots of people wishing us better oh. and stuff. So <laughs> it's all much, much appreciated. Uh, please do ignore Vanessa as she chokes her way through this. I'm not as bad, honestly. I I had to cancel last week because I literally couldn't of spoke two sentences without really coughing really badly and it just would have been pointless and freddie gets the ump if there's any outside unnecessary noise at all and then starts like you kicking ruffling me. your coat yeah when i'm taking my cups i'm getting the temperature already and then starts kicking me under the table which winds me up so i just <laughs> thought there's just no point in even attempting it so guys listen it wouldn't be an episode on dracula without a little bit of historical input Ooh. from our resident historian. Who is like a Dracula-esque, by the way. The Sergeant Major. <laughs> the Sarge is here. How are you doing, Sarge? Good evening, Sarge? everybody. Good evening. How are you been? Yeah, yeah, I'm all good, thank you. So How you had you? the storm, and the one week we couldn't do, because you you, you had no internet, no electric, no yep. nothing, did you? The storm yep. hit Yorkshire. No, no powerful, but we're all, we're all back on now. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. we were without it for weeks. Yeah. <sighs> Lord have mercy. Now we're back in we're, we're back in the twenty first century. Well, listen, wait until Christmas Day. We've got a white Christmas coming. Who said that? The meteorologists. Did they? That really? excites me. Twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh. That's true. That'd be amazing. We've got an Arctic it. swirl heading from Norway. Oh, can't wait for that. Can't it's wait for me that. Up. <laughs> that. That's an excuse for a wee dram of single malt, if ever I heard one. Well, listen, Ooh, I hope answer. I get snowed in at your Christmas party. At my Christmas party? Yeah, well, listen, you've got to host a Christmas party well, for us. <laughs> Why have I got... I mean, I've got... I'm, what? I've got to host a Christmas party, right? Yes. Well, I would have done if I hadn't felt so ill, but I might be able to pull something together for New Year. Don't know about Christmas. No, you can host a little Christmas party. I expect free courses, unlimited booze. <laughs> right. And well, entertainment. I will. Oh, we will be reporting back, um, listeners, to what what happens to that. Yeah, we'll give you a little bonus episode yeah. of, of all the dramas at the work Christmas party. Well, why don't we just record it from the work Christmas party? Well, you never know. We might do. Well, actually, um, our historian is going to be in this area um, over the next few weeks. 
So actually, it might not be a bad idea to do a little live episode around New Year uh, with the three of us. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Why we could not? do a little half hour. We could have a little wee dram, yeah. which you have to have at Christmas because it's practically illegal if you don't. And then three of us get together and let's have a little, um, let's have a little New Year one. Okay. Extra episode. Perfect. Now, listen, without further ado, let's get on down to the man himself, the Count. Yes. The one, the only. Ah, ah, ah. Two ah, bats. Ah. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm going to jump in before it gets like completely ridiculous. <laughs> Once I've gone. So, Dracula. The story of Dracula needs little introduction to anybody. There is, there can't be a person alive who doesn't know the tale of the undead man who sleeps in a coffin full of earth during the day, turns into a bat at will, and has to drink the blood of others to maintain his immortality. Especially fair maidens, I'm led to believe. Well, it, I, I've done think he's particularly that picky, is he? Oh. That's the thing with... with Depends what movie you watch, you know? in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think, uh, you know, I imagine if it comes down to it, he would prefer the blood of a fair maiden, but I suspect he will take whatever he can get in mm. each. Correct. Depending how hungry anyway, he is at the time. Anyway, not, not professing to be a Dracula expert, we'll move on. So, as we all know, it's just a story. So that was written by... Well, you say that. No, it is. It's just a story. Right. Yeah, Dracula well, is just a Dracula story. Dracula is a story. Dracula is a story. It was well, written by the that. Irish writer Bram Stoker <laughs> in 1897. Mm. So he uh, visited Whitby Abbey in 1890, and legend has it that the Abbey and its windswept headlands inspired Stoker to create his Gothic horror story masterpiece. But actually, it wasn't until he spent some months at time. He used to spend a lot of time on holiday in Scotland okay. at a place called Cruden Bay. And he would sometimes go there for months at a time. He found it a very peaceful place and it really helped him write because Dracula isn't his only book. Uh, he, you know, he was a, a very famous writer already. So he used to spend months at a time um, relaxing and writing at Cruden Bay in Scotland. Uh, and one of his visits in 1895, he really got to grips with writing the book. So as much as the Abbey and its and its uh, dramatic skyline definitely inspired him, it's really up in Scotland where it got underway and it was written properly. Um, Dracula, as we know it, he first, when he wrote it, he actually, the first title he gave it was The Undead. And it is the most famous book that he wrote. So nearby to Cruden Bay is a place called Slains Castle, as in S-L-A-I-N-S. And some of the descriptions in the book of Dracula about Dracula's castle and rooms are actually, you can clearly see that they were inspired by Slains Castle. Slains mm. Castle, like Dracula's house, have an octagonal room. Oh. So an octagonal room is quite an unusual, quite unusual, yeah, a very unusual feature. And Slane's Castle has one, so it's clear that's where Bram Stoker got his inspiration from for that. So that's the story of Dracula. That's the book. That's the one that we all know. The basic story it all came from. In 1972, 
some academics started researching it and they published a uh, journal called In Search of Dracula. And they claimed that Dracula was actually based upon a real person. Vlad. Vlad the Third. Yeah. Dracula. Yeah, that's that's what I understand it to be. Yeah. Or otherwise known Mm. as Vlad the Impaler. So Vlad the Impaler was born in 1428. And it's true to say that stories about Vlad may have had some influence on Bram Stoker's story. It's actually now thought unlikely that Stoker based Dracula on him. That's the story we've always been told, that that Bram Stoker heard all about Vlad and he decided to write a book about him. That's not quite strictly true. So Vlad was the second son of Vlad Dracul, who was the ruler of Wallachia, and I apologise because I'm not sure I've pronounced that correctly, (laughs) which is a region of Romania. Vlad had an older brother called Messia and a younger brother called Radu. When Vlad was 14, he and his younger brother Radu were held hostage and they were taken to make sure that their father remained loyal to the Ottoman Empire and he was held with his brother hostage at various different castles and fortresses in Turkey. So Vlad the dad, as in Vlad's father, and the oldest son, Messia, were both killed in 1447 when Vlad was 19. So that now meant that he became the eldest son and Vlad III. So he was known as Vlad III Dracula, and Dracula, that meant he was the son of Dracul. Uh, And in Romanian, in those days, Dracul meant dragon, and now it's kind of, the word has changed, and it's more usually meant to mean uh, devil. So wars and loyalty shifted over the years, peace was made and broken, and war broke out again. And by 1462, Vlad led an army to attack the Ottoman territories and he massacred tens of thousands of Turks and Bulgarians. This savage act and others eventually led to his imprisonment for 14 years in Hungary. But they were so desperate to get him and they couldn't, they actually had to forge documents to make an excuse to actually put him in prison because he was so effective at what he did, they really needed to get him out of the way. So he spent 14 years in prison. So the reports of his vile deeds, the real legend, what we know of Vlad, comes about while he's in prison. So the person who prisoned him was the king of Hungary and Croatia, and he was Matthias Corvinus. In essentially uh, a mirror of what happens today, Matthias Corvinus essentially created fake news and Hmm. needed people to believe that Vlad was this awful, horrific, evil person to justify him putting him in prison. Because don't forget, he's put him there because he's used forged documents and false statements. So he couldn't get him by legal means. (coughs) He gets him locked away through forgeries and lies. And then he has to build upon that and make sure no one's questioning him by telling everyone how awful Vlad is. And that's how he worked on it. So essentially, there are quite a few points of evidence where it has been Matthias Corvinus's staff who have actually gone to the newspapers and spread it around and told the people who need to know about how awful Vlad is and therefore to justify him keeping in prison. So that's really where the rumours and the legend that we know of Vlad comes from, that it was all there just to justify him. 
Impaler itself, so obviously we all, as Vanessa said, we now know him as Vlad the Impaler because we all hear these horrific stories about how he used to impale all his people and to us that just sounds like the most horrific way to die and he must have been truly evil and a terrible person. But actually, it was a very common punishment in those days. Yeah, we, we did the an episode previously on... Um kind of ancient torture methods and stuff mm. and we we, yeah, we yeah. speak about this it's a real common common practice in them kind it of was. times definitely mm. the first recorded evidence of it was in 1772 bc whoa not bc i suppose because he was such an effective war monger and soldier um and leader i suppose he impaled so many more people Hence the name the Impaler, because if he was killing hundreds of thousands, as as you've said, they wanted him arrested for false purposes. He probably yeah. impaled more than the average person. Hence Absolutely. the name Vlad the Impaler, because he probably impaled more than anyone else. Yeah, I've been impaled, so has Freddie. Yeah, I mean, in, in other wars, they would just go to the field and and kill everybody and kill what they had. But in those days, he decided to impale them instead. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, before Vlad really made it popular on the field of battle, it was the, quite frequently, it was a punishment of choice. <coughs> they were given to women who were accused of being adulterers or <coughs> killing babies. And in fact, even if you suffered a miscarriage, Ooh. you could be held for that. That was a crime because it was believed that you'd, you'd caused that to happen. Fucking it. There you go again. Women getting yeah. bloody. Yeah, just another example. Yeah. Yeah, it gets better. Uh, women would often be impaled through the heart. Oh, oh well, that was better because at least they died quicker. I'd rather be impaled yeah. through the heart than the stomach because it would take longer to die. However, that varies for a little link through you back to, to vampires. Stake through the heart. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You see how it all gets twisted around? Yeah. So um, there's your links there for vampires and witchcraft as well. So often you could also be done if you were caught having an adulterous affair. You would be buried alive together and one stake would be used to impale both of you. Nice. So you think, yeah, great, you know, how much do I really like this person? There's yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. In 1465 in Switzerland, so 1465, again, that's not, you know, a massively, really, really long time ago in the grand scale of things. Mm. Uh, a paedophile was charged with attacking six young girls mm. and his wife was to be stripped naked, laid on the ground with his arms and legs stretched out, tied to poles, and a fifth pole was driven through his stomach into the ground where he was left pinned out to die. Oh, cool. Well, at least there was a bit of justice. They should do that yeah, these days. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you can see the impalement was quite a common practice yeah. and for a variety of things. So in the end, that's where Vlad's legend came from. Uh, his crimes were greatly exaggerated, although there is no doubt he certainly was very effective in the field of battle. He was eventually released um, because they actually wanted him to then fight for them. Oh, of course. Um, and mm. this time he was released and he was fighting for the King of Moldovia. Uh, the King of Moldovia wanted to get control of Wallachia, which is where his father and he was born and his father used to be the ruler of. So the King of Moldovia uh, managed to get him released and say, right, if you go and take that area back, I will put you back on as a puppet king the same way as your father was. So he actually ended up dying in battle 
only two years after he was released. In oh. And there you go. That is... He was probably that. too weak from the years of being bloody in prison. Well, to... yeah, it is possible after 14 years yeah. in prison. I, mean, I, I can't imagine he was, you know, felt wet. No, um, exactly. But he, he did carry on in battles for another two years and he died in battle rather than of you know any illnesses or, so did he ever or, marry have a lover uh, there's no records of it that, no, now no i always thought as well that he was quite uh, infamous for drinking the blood of his enemies now is there any record of that i i didn't find any I didn't find any. That's uh, probably just a glamorous that. addition. But as we know, because it wasn't yeah, it written down, well yeah, it could, it could, it, you know, it, yeah. it, it's, you know, because it's quite a horrific thing to do. And like you said, it might just be part of the, the infamous tale to make him like or this blood, bloodthirsty creature. Well, if I was in, yeah. if I'd have won a great battle, I might have done it just once or twice just to say how powerful I was. I wouldn't have necessarily oh, done it every time. Yeah, but you can see it. You've just slaughtered these hundreds of thousands of people and rah, and you get the blood and oh, I can see that. Well Mate, you know, that over one thing like that, he he could have said, Oh, we always drunk the blood of his victims. What I'm saying is it could have been one time where he was yeah, and it's been covered from had to, yeah, it could have been one time and of course that's probably be or he might even just be covered and he licked yeah. his lips. Yeah. You know The it, blood uh, of the enemy. <laughs> Yeah, and again, that that just links in for you, you know, about vampires drinking blood. So it's it's all linked. The well, I like it. Blood. I like blood. Yeah. It's, it's all oh. but yeah, he was a real guy. Real guy. Go. I'd date him. There you go. Well, I don't know if yeah, you would. Yeah, I think on that, on that note, I'll link you to it. I think. <laughs> Thank you, Sarge. Thank you, Sergeant. All right. It's been a care, pleasure. Bye. Bye. So. Listen, yeah, interesting. Um, young lad. I obviously the story that um, I think a lot of us know is that he he had a woman, and um, she I, was told falsely that he died in battle and threw, and threw herself. herself from the tower. Do we know if there's any truth? A, a lot of these things I always say, repeat myself, because it's not written down in historical fact that our historical find doesn't mean it didn't happen or something similar didn't happen. No, but on the flip side of the coin. It makes for a great story. And, yeah. and over the years, you know, stories do change. And they you add a little bit for a dramatic yeah. effect. Mm. We're all guilty of it. We, we all do it. We all do it. So, I'm going to um, conflict the the story of Vlad. Um, conflict? And, That's the wrong word. Uh, I'm going to um, contradict. Contradict. The, the story of Vlad and give you another potential... Um, influencer um, of Dracula. So we go to Elizabeth Bathory. Mm. She was born August 7th, 1560. And she is often called Lady Dracula. Right. So she is, and still to date, the most prolific female serial killer of all time. Uh, where she come from? Well, we'll get into that. Right. So Baffery had a. Oh, I know. She was the one that was in the castle when she killed all the. Sir... Yeah, I yeah. heard. That. She is a one evil wicked woman. woman. Wicked woman. Yeah. So, but listen, they, some people have argued and said, you know, 
the Vlad story, yeah, great. No, this woman was this the real, was this, the real this, influence. Exactly, yeah, this is the one, yeah. So she had a certain uh, liking for torturing young girls. Young girls, yeah. And she had a whole torture chamber set up in her castle. Yeah. She liked to torture the female servants by jamming pins and needles under their nails and covering them with honey and leaving them to be attacked by insects. Again, very similar. Do you remember that torture method we talk about where they left them out on the boat and covered them in honey and yeah. they had the insects mm. to attack them? Um, when that didn't satisfy her first for blood, she began to abduct peasant girls and go to insanely sadistic lengths to kill them. It is recorded that she would often bite chunks out of the girls' faces and arms and believed that drinking their blood would make her immortal. Yeah. She was only caught when she escalated um, going through elaborate and deceptive means to lure the pretty girls from the ruling families in Transylvania. Oh, 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 oh. The thing with her was all of her servants went missing. So she had new servants and they went missing. Then the local village girls, she, she killed hundreds and hundreds. And everyone was noticing it because all these women were disappearing. But she listen, couldn't she, hide it. She just didn't give a shit, the she, woman. Barbaric. Bar Evil bitch. But she, it's, it, you know, it's documented about her biting. Yeah, yeah. And drinking. Yeah, blood. their blood, yeah, yeah. So I feel that maybe... Mm, yeah, that's interesting. It's a and spin she's, of two... It's still Transylvania, so we're still in Romania. Yeah, we're yeah. still we're still in vampire land. It was a castle, yeah. Castle, you yeah. know, it's not a million miles away. No, it's true. Because listening to the history of Vlad, an amazing story, um, but again, there is no real documentation of him drinking the blood. It might have been the story that they've spun... You know, there's no listen. I bet he was the most barbaric bastard you've ever met. You know, and, and yeah, yeah, sliced yeah, yeah. everybody up. But who, you know, there's but lots. We know she there's lots of people that reveled were, and loved drinking the blood of hundreds and hundreds. You know, it's hundreds. I mean, I think it went into thousands. I mean, it's just, there there was no females left in that area. I mean, literally, the woman was a devil s. So yeah, an interesting mixture of the two. And interestingly. Um, two people like that existed. Well, listen, yeah. And it's not a million miles it's away, not a, do you know not, what I mean? yeah, exactly. The world's a weird place. So I'm going to look into a little bit now at the history of the vampire. Mm. And um, the, the roots of vampires go far, far back. Mm. So we're going to Mesopotamia and ancient Greece. Right. Um, so... In the Mesopotamian Empire, they had creatures called Ikimu. And Ikimu means to be snatched away. Mm. Um, and the Mesopotamians believed that the these kind of beings um, prayed themselves that they would, you know, they, I've said this all wrong. They believed that they would, it's an angry and bitter spirit that was banished to roam the earth mm, forever mm. and ever in eternity. Yeah. And they, they prayed themselves ridiculously daily mm. to, to rid themselves and banish these spirits. Right. Um, so the Ikimu are said to appear as a demon phantom-like creature that searches for victims to feed on its misery. Um, so they described it as almost like an evil gust of wind. So... 
unlike normal vampires, they didn't drink blood in order to live, mm. but instead they fed off the life force. The life force and the energy of the plants, human. animals, elephant, elephants. Which we understand, we've spoken and about human similar beings. things. Yeah. You know, there are psychic <laughs> vampires yeah, that yeah. feed on people's energy, and that's what they considered these, these yeah, beings to be. Yeah, that makes sense. So to become an ikimu though there are certain ways in which you would become one mm. so that was either dying violently from murder which wasn't uncommon then well, it's not uncommon it was... now <laughs> um dying young again not uncommon not uncommon now yeah death from a battle or war again well very prevalent yeah, then yeah, mm. death before finding love well that's very sad i, I, I again i think quite quite common um an improper burial or no burial at all dying during pregnancy dying from drowning dying from starvation or improper offerings to the gods oh well pretty much anything then anything and i think maybe that's why they feed them so so highly it covered every single base <laughs> there ain't much much you couldn't have got bloody done for then right so mm. now if any commute showed up on your doorstep it's not a good sign. Mm. And usually within a few days, the inhabitants of the household uh, would die. Right, a bit like our banshee. When she turned up at the door, you heard the wail. You knew death was coming. But then it's almost maybe like a like a disease, isn't it? So it's potentially there maybe had been a, um, a pandemic there that was spreading and they considered it to be an evil spirit, an evil something, and it would go door to door. Yeah, but and then they'd uh, all be you, dropping dead. Yeah, but you've just read out all the reasons why the thing would come if you were. Yeah, but that's what they thought, you know, because you know, mm. die, dying, dying before yeah, finding yeah. love. Well, listen, if someone if someone's fourteen years old and they die, yeah, well, that, you know, they, yeah, yeah. it's very strange. Mm. But the legends still exist today. Yeah, and the modern. Commune mm. are believed to wander the earth among the homeless and they are meant to be living in sewers, tunnels, and abandoned buildings and tend to stay in run down urban areas. And this again is kind of in that kind of region where people yeah. still still believe it, not as not as um heavily as back in the day, yeah, but they still believe nonetheless. Mm. Mm. Now, I move on to Greek mythology. So, in Greek mythology. Um, it holds one of the oldest tales of a vampire. Mm. And that is about a young lady called Lamia. Mm. And she was the mortal queen of Libya. Mm. Zeus fell in love with Lamia, but Hera. 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 She, she, she weren't having it. She weren't having she it. She was jealous. She wasn't having it. She was very, very jealous over her husband's infidelities and deprived Lemira of um, the children that she had with Zeus. And so Lemira in turn wandered the world drinking the blood of young children so that other mortal, mo mortal mothers could suffer as the way she, she did. did. Yeah. And that is one of the oldest tales of what we kind of consider a vampire. Maybe they didn't view <laughs> her as a vampire then, but she's drinking yeah, the blood, the, of the blood and, and whatever else. So because didn't didn't vampires originally have to drink the blood of virgins? Wasn't there something at least I think, changes? I think, I think that's maybe part of, of the stories. I think that's just them. part of literature. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
again it all and movies and, and movies like yeah. and it's all been dramatized and i think this is the thing with jack credit it's such a famous famous story and it's completely changed the landscape of film and literature mm. and and everything mm. it's it's created some like this all of the stereotypes so what we see now as count dracula mm. and vampires was all created from this book yeah. So we consider them to be, you know, wealthy and with the, like the receding hairline and in the suit and oh, mm. I want to suck your blood and all that. <laughs> that's but that's not really how. Mm. If they do exist, funny enough, look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my Jake's my Jake vapes. And he has something called Vampire Vape. And it's, there's a box of it sitting on the side looking at Literally, me. Just with Count Dracula standing there with his claws out. Yeah. T- fangs out. Two silver streaks. But again, you know, that's a stere- stereotypical yeah. image of old Dracula. Um, um, mm. But Drac- uh, vampires, not Dracula, vampires as we know them to be, emerged in around the late 17th, early 18th century. And the towns formed um, around Germany, England, um, and they were embellished and popularised in these regions. You know, Mm. it was, you know, the big vampire craze. But one of the earliest recordings of vampire activity came from what is modern day Croatia. Yeah. And in 1672, local reports described a panic amongst the villagers um, on the belief that a man called, oh, here we go, Giorgrando had become a vampire after dying in 1656. Yeah. <coughs> local villagers claimed that he returned from the dead and began drinking blood from people and sexually harassing his widow. The village leader ordered... What, so he started drinking blood from people and sexually harassing... What do you mean sexually harassing his widow? Going around slapping her ass and that when she's at the market. Yeah, but whose widow? His he's widow. widow. Well, why is she a widow then? Because he's dead. Ah, oh, sorry, <laughs> I missed that bit. My brain's still not in full full fettle. Um, yes, yeah, so obviously he um, is claimed to have returned from the dead in... 1656 so the village leader ordered a stake to be driven through his heart and later his corpse was also beheaded what so they dug him up did they yeah yeah sorted him out so she said my old man is sexually harassing me he keeps knocking on the door right see in england she'd have been burnt for a witch she'd have said something like that in our country that'd have been it right you're deranged that have flung her in this side unless the whole village have seen this bloke walking around Mm. It's not too far out of the way. A lot of the time, people were mis—I went to say misdiagnosed as dead, <laughs> uh, but you know, people, people, a lot of people thought that they had died and they hadn't. Yeah, and, it happens and all the time. It yeah. happens all the time, and potentially that might have happened. And he did come back and was a bit weird. Yeah, you never know. But they found his corpse though, so he obviously couldn't have done. Well, no, because he's walking around harassing everyone. Yeah, but are they saying he's walking around as in? As in a human form, or as in the undead. Listen, unless I go back to sixteen fifty six, I couldn't they, really tell you. If they dug his body up, then he couldn't have been walking around, could he? Well, maybe he was under a hedge. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they dug up the wrong body. Who knows? Body. But anyway, 
So we, we jump forward a few years, and during the 18th century, there was a, a huge frenzy and a huge spike in vampire sightings in Eastern Europe. So mm -hmm. we, we're in yeah, kind yeah. of like Romania would factor into this as well. There were stakings and grave diggings to identify and kill potential vampires was common practice. And even government officials engaged in the hunting and staking of vampires. The beliefs in vampires during this time increased dramatically and it caused a mass hysteria throughout most of Europe. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, the, the superstition or whatever, the belief began to I rise. Mean, it, it was massive, and, wasn't it? it? It really did spread and there was a lot of fear and people believed it. Yeah. So the panic began with an outbreak of alleged vampire attacks in East Prussia. Yeah. In 1721. And in the Hab Habsburg monarchy from 1725 to 1735, the hysteria um, was rife. And they were going wild. And like I said, you know, even, even government officials were like, yep, yeah, let's kill the vampires. We need to go out and we need to deal with this problem. Yeah, it was a big deal, yeah big deal it's commonly referred to as the 18th century vampire controversy controversy <laughs> cont controversy and it raged for a generation isn't it crazy when when you think about what we fear as human beings now add to that you know the genuine real fear of vampires and the government you know boris is out saying right okay you've everyone, got to be aware of the vampires yeah, and everyone believed it imagine that stake on site <laughs> do what you've got to do but obviously the problem uh, was exacerbated by rural epidemics of these vampire attacks <laughs> vampire attacks not attacks um again you know there wasn't the media like we had it now people living in smaller communities lived by their own rules and governed themselves so if they felt that they was under attack by vampires, they would take things into their own hands. But also, and... I'd imagine, oh, he's a vampire, just like the witches. Oh, she's a witch. Right, let's murder them all then. And there would have been loads of people killed innocently because somebody said they're a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, this caused a higher amount of superstition and, like I said, was really present in village communities. They used a variety of methods to identify vampires. So holes appearing in the earth over a grave were taken as a sign as that person being a vampire. Uh, corpses thought to be a vampire were generally described as having a healthier appearance than expected, <laughs> plump and showing little or no signs of decomposition. In some cases, when suspected graves were open, villagers even described the corpse as having fresh blood from a victim all over its face. <laughs> Evidence that vampire was active in a given location included the death of cattle, sheep, relatives or neighbours. Yeah. Cats. Uh, cats, you know, <laughs> just general uh, pigeons, seagulls, <laughs> the lot. Uh, vampires could also make their presence felt by engaging in minor poltergeist activity, oh. such as hurling stones on roofs or moving household objects and even pressing on people in their sleep. Oh. oh in this time though vampires were viewed as almost zombie like they were a, a zombie specter as right. opposed to 
um, like a, I wanted to, I wanted to say supernatural being zombies are that, but you know now we look at vampires as having superpowers. Yeah, and, we do. Yeah, and turning into bats and lightning immortal, fast and strong yeah, and immortal. Yeah. That's not traditionally how they were viewed. All oh, right. Traditionally, they were considered un, just the undead. The undead, like zombies. you say, more like zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Were vampires in those days known for biting the necks of fair maidens? Uh, not or that I saw, not that it's reported. I think, thing, yeah. I think you know, from I think they were attacking people um, and would bite, but zombies do. You know, when you think yeah. about what we consider zombies to be, they bite. Yeah, they do to infect you. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. but then they also there's some um, people that say like to become a vampire, you have to be bitten by a well, vampire. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it probably all links back to this. So if you if you think that maybe zombies and vampires have come along together yeah. and then the publications in the kind of Victorian times of yeah. all the gothic horror has has taken vampires and glamorised them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then zombies have remained these kind of like imbecile just corpses resurrected yeah, yeah. To they definitely one made, to the left. Yeah, like yeah, vampires yeah. are now considered intelligent yeah. like they're human. Mm. Um, but just a little bit different from vampires us. Vampires are bloody vampires the rock are stars. Vampires the... are human too. Yeah, vampires are human too. <laughs> <laughs> and if listen, if you want to be a vampire, it's all right with me. Yeah. So obviously, like I said, um, it was during the Victorian era, era, era that vampire, vampirism, and the what we consider vampires to be really took off so it started in 1819 and it come with the publication of the vampire but it's spelled v-a-m-p-y-r-e yeah y-r-e yeah mm. and this was by an english writer called john polidori mm. and it was a charismatic and sophisticated man mm. um yes who, yeah, yeah. you know it was a really really successful story so a bit like the movie Interview with a Vampire. In, interview with a Vampire, you know, it's it was a huge, huge success. And this was at the very, you know, very beginning of the Victorian era. So we're 1819. And, it, you know, Bram Stoker didn't publish Dracula till 1897. Um, yeah. But it was the basis of our modern vampire legend. And like we spoke about the other day... The vampire at Highgate Cemetery in the Victorian era. He probably had a little bit to do with that by writing the book. You know, yeah, it definitely. ties in, doesn't it? Uh, now, I don't. Have you ever read the the book? No, you haven't. I had to study it at school. I know this book. Oh, did like, you? Yeah, I know the book like the back of my head. I got an A star. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. well, I'm not surprised you're a bit brainy. Brainy boy. So, uh, the book is told through um, a series of letters, diary entries, and newspaper articles. There's no main protagonist but that you know it's told through the eyes of a series of characters but there is a one man it opens really with the solicitor jonathan harker and he is on a business trip to stay at a castle uh in transylvania which of course is how dracula starts which is owned by the noble count dracula so jonathan harker escapes the castle after discovering that dracula is a vampire he goes back to the ah. UK and then the Count moves to England and plagues the seaside town of Whitby. A small group led by Abraham Van Helsing. Uh, 
Van Helsing, of course. Hunt Dracula and in the end kill him. And that is, a re that is the briefest description of what happens in the book. So there's no real need to read it. Just say Fred told me all about yeah, it. Yeah, just those few short sentences, you've got it. But yeah, you know, that the the book really, really paved the way for what we see as modern vampires. Um, it is not any way connected to the true, like the original origins, where they was considered as like decrepit, yeah, yeah, like creatures pulling themselves out of the grave. Mm. That's now taken zombies, but the you know that is how that is how big of an impact but... this book has had. That you ask anyone, what's a vampire? And it will always be a noble or, you know, like dark, black yeah. hair, slick back. You know, that's how it is. And I think as well, a lot of our myth and legends that we have surrounding vampires come from the book. Yeah. So there's a lot of misconceptions that come from the book. Mm. So not having a reflection. Mm. Only being, um, can only come in if you're invited. Garlic. Garlic. Things like that. All of these stem from the book. Yeah. And there's not real life. Yeah, but, I mean, you say that, but, I mean, there are many a unusual thing and being and spooks out there that have similar things about being invited and, you know, there's stuff out there that's manifested. There's probably some bloody genuine man uh, vampires out there that have been manifested through one way or another. Well, I, I know we're not talking about this, you, you know, but I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, there's creatures out there that do exist. Have you ever had one knock on your door? Yeah. What about your window? Did you let him in? No. What did you say? I said, go away, vampire. I hid <laughs> under the bed. No. Was um, he handsome? If he's handsome, I'd let him in regardless. <laughs> Even if I saw his sharp teeth. Come on in. Come in. <laughs> Cooey, I'm down here. <laughs> I'm lonely tonight. Come into my parlour, said the spider to the fly. What are you, the spider? No, I would have been the spider. <laughs> it I'd was a handsome vampire. I'd have eaten so. him alive. You didn't have a chance. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm going to move on to a, a maybe a, a more modern case of a vampire, mm -hmm. real life vampire. And again, we go back to Romania, mm. and in the small villages, rural in Romania, many people still turn to vampires as an explanation of some mysterious goings ons. Mm. So. In 2004, there was a body of a man and he was exhumed so villagers could perform an ancient anti-vampire ritual. Mm. The man who died suddenly in a farming accident in 2003 was believed to have returned as a strigoi. Mm. And that is a restless spirit who returns to suck the life force from his living family members. Right. Keep that there. Pin, mm. Put a pin in it. Um... And they believed that he had made a distant relative sick. So six villagers dug up the man's corpse to cut out his heart and put stakes through his body. Only then did his re relative t return to health. Mm. This was investigated by the police. Yeah. Um, and I believe that the man responsible for digging him up received a three-year jail sentence for disturbing the peace of the dead. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a sensible decision. Um, but this, but you know, that's just one story that I could find that's been reported yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. Stories like this really, really are not unusual. And many rural villages um, still hold many of these We've beliefs and traditions about and practices. <coughs> these rural villages, over many episodes, their ways and their traditions, and they are mad as a box of frogs most of them and they still do the craziest things don't they well listen this is another thing that they do so uh, uh, many rural villagers believe that children that are born breech or with the placenta still attached are more likely to be a stragoi when they die and so they're buried when the time comes with knit knitting needles poked through their eyes and bodies to prevent them from returning yeah, crazy shit. Yeah. And they do this because they believe that that's what's keeping them safe. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a tradition. Yeah. You know, however civilised as we are, we just knock on wood to keep ourselves <laughs> safe. <laughs> yeah. we, we don't desecrate bodies. <laughs> so, now this is, this is the bit that really got me when I was doing the research for mm. this. So... Whether or not you believe in Count Dracula, whether or not you believe um, in vampires as a supernatural being, there are people who identify as vampires. Yes, I've seen documentaries on them. So there's quite a large community. In America, isn't it? In there? America. So there is a Atlanta Vampire Alliance mm. and... They believe that there are upwards of 5,000 people who identify as vampires in the US alone. Yes, but, I mean, this all came out. They started identifying, for the most part, after bloody the famous movies. What are they called? Dracula. No, um, the vampire movies. With the... Dust Before... Dust, yeah, dust... yeah. Door, yeah. From Dust Till Dawn. Vampire Diaries? No. Vampire Diaries, Twilight. Twi that, sorry, that's what I mean, Twilight, yeah. And those movies, okay. and I think everyone thought because they're, they're very sexualized. I think there's. Listen, I, I, think I there's, want to be a vampire after watching their movies. No, but listen, I think there's a there is more to it than that. I think it it has been glamorized, and I you could maybe coin a percentage of that to um, the media and the glamorization of vampires. But for these people who take it very seriously, this is their way of life. Yes. Yeah. I've yeah. I get it. Completely. I've seen, yeah. It's totally the way they live. Yeah. I've seen programs. Um, yeah. I don't know if we have any listeners in New Orleans, but you have the highest population of That's vampires. That's where I saw the documentaries in that, those areas. Yeah. In the US. Yeah. So they get part of their nourishment from human and animal blood. Yeah. Um. So vampires of this type who get their nourishment from human and animal blood call themselves sang sanguinari sang Sanguinarians. Mm. Sanguinarians. Yeah, I'll stick. Sanguinarians is how they would call themselves. Other vampires will get that get their nourishment by draining psychic energy, and these are known as psychic Psy vampires or psyvamps. Some people do both, and they are hybrids. Yeah, but normal people can drain psychic energy. I mean, um, so they feed out of what they are convinced is a biological need right and one that generally appears during or just after pu after puberty mm. um without their monthly weekly sometimes daily feeding um vampires claim it becomes difficult for them to function 
if they go too long without blood or energy, they can become weak and they start to develop a host of physical and emotional symptoms that only feeding on that blood can soothe. Well, I imagine that's true because placebo effect, if you think that, you will manifest those symptoms and it will be made better by blood anyway. So that's not out of the way, is it? Um, the people who identify as vampires... Um, their feeding ritual mm. um, is governed by the Donor Bill of Rights. And that is a pact between a donor and a vampire. And it's used to promote safety and well-being, both physical and social. Mm. Real vampires perform the bloodletting ritual only with willing donors, friends, family members, significant others or members of donor networks. And usually only after both the vampire and the donor have had their blood tested to ensure that they're not spreading yeah. disease and, and whatever else. So listen, at least they're being ethical. Yeah. People are willing donors. They're not going up yeah. to strangers in the street attacking and, and attacking them, no. them. They're doing it the right way. Because otherwise they'd get arrested. Now, I don't know if I could... Do you know that if you <laughs> cut your finger and you squeeze it and you suck the blood off? Yeah. That's not unpleasant. But I couldn't imagine sit there... Like, if I filled that glass up with blood and you had to drink that... God, that'd be horrific. Horrific. No, I would very, not... That makes yeah. me not feel well. Yeah, no, I wouldn't like it. Um, There is um, a syndrome, and it's called Renfield Syndrome, and it is um, an obsession with drinking blood. Mm. The earliest formal presentation of clinical vampirism um, is in 2010. And there was over 50,000 people addicted to drinking blood. No, I've told lies. It, the earliest it's recorded is in 1892. Right. But in 2010, mm. 50,000 people have been diagnosed with this with this symptom. Oh. And it is in psychiatric literature. So it's not just people have gone, I've got, the, I've got Renfield syndrome. Mm. I like drinking blood. No, they, they have been diagnosed. Diagnose officially. Yeah. Officially. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some interesting facts now. Cool. As, as we come to the end of this episode. Yeah. So, Dracula mm. in Wallachian, and that's the language in Romania. Right. It means devil. So we spoke about this, didn't we? Mm. Or Charlotte spoke about this. Apparently, originally it meant dragon, but now it's come to yeah. mean devil. devil so, yeah. Wallachians, Romanian people, mm. were accustomed to give it as a surname to any person who rendered himself conspicuous either by courage, cruel actions, or cunning. So do you know how like people got surnames? So if you've got the last name Smith, it yeah. meant that you originate from a blacksmith or a or, or, shoesmith. Yeah, or... I'm young, so that meant that I would have been the 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 youngest son of whoever. Mm. Who, what are you, Mitchell? Uh, Mitchell What's that, that descend of? Well, mine was from a Scottish uh, Mitchell. We've got, we've got our own tartan, so we're from the Scottish Mitchell. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think of another one. Um, um, hill um, lived on a hill. Yeah. Um, oh god, there's a, a tailor, Taylor, Mr. Yeah. Taylor. You're so a tailor, yeah. I mean, there's butcher, there's... baker, all baker. of these. Well, because my nan's a baker, yeah, so she would have been a baker, yeah. So it's again, I think, guys, I might do that one day actually. I might sit there and go through all the last names and give you their meanings and origins. It's quite an interesting one. Um, maybe I'll do it as a little, little bonus, little number, yeah, little bonus, little, bonus, little number, anyway. Right, I digress. Now, this is my f most favourite 
little little tidbit of uh interesting facts and it is that prince charles is a descendant of vlad the impaler <laughs> what do you mean he's a <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you so the prince of wales actually owns several properties if i wasn't so ill i would really 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 laugh at that so go on tell right. me go on prince of wales owns several properties in transylvania yeah and he's an heir to vlad the impaler's bloodline he is the great grandson 16 times removed through the consort of George V and Queen Mary. So he is Vlad the Impaler's 16 <laughs> times removed great grandson. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? We've got to tell our historian that. Actually, we'll say to her, do you think Prince Charles, and she'll say, oh, no, 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 he's not. And then we can just bury <laughs> her with the facts. Actually. Yeah. So. Um, the Prince of Wales Foundation is a charitable organisation. They do they do lots and lots of Has stuff. Has Prince Charles ever spoke about this connection to Vlad? Do we know? I will talk to you about this. All oh, right, okay. Right. I was being a bit sarcastic there, but you're going to actually surprise I'll me. I'll actually aren't surprise you. Yeah. you. So um, he has the Prince of Wales Foundation, does lots and lots of great things for charity, and they do a lot of charitable work in Transylvania. And they kind of work mostly about. Um, using sustainable development, conservation, and, and helping out with the farming <coughs> systems. So because of his strong involvement in the region, the mayor of the city of Yulia um, has proposed to grant Prince Charles the title of Prince of Transylvania as a recognition for being a prominent ambassador of Transylvania all around the world. Really? Mm-hmm. So... A great-great-grandmother of Prince Charles. Um, no, the great-great-grandmother of Queen Elizabeth II mm. was the Hungarian Countess Claudia Rede. Yeah. And she was also born and raised in Transylvania in the 19th century. Wow. Yeah, so he, he, has, a, he has a big connection. Um, so he now owns several properties in Romania and they've all now become really, really popular tourist destinations. And one of them... Um, is a really popular kind of suite of guest houses and you can stay in them and it's about 62 pounds a night oh 60 pounds a night he has uh gone on record in the papers and has spoken about his connection yeah. he hasn't directly said oh my I heritage the of, yeah, but he yeah, just yeah. spoke that he has a great connection yeah, to yeah. romania he you know he he yeah. feels the presence he loves it and he yeah. loves all the work that he does wow but that's crazy you, do you, we know does anyone know listeners though does french charles believe in ghosts i would imagine he does i wouldn't know if he'd ever go public but I reckon that man has probably seen some stuff in the places he lived. And he's a very open-minded man. We know that. I reckon he probably does. So if anyone's ever heard anything on that, let us know. I reckon, the royal, I reckon the royal family would have... Um... I reckon they all do. Now, listen, we've got a little connection to Prince Charles, haven't we? Uh, uh, remind me. Now, when we worked in Caravan Sales... Ah, what, George? Young George. Yeah. Well, so... Uh, he's yeah. actually 90... He's probably over 100 now. He's a very, very um, elderly well, man, he's, but a very he, charming and lovely man. And he was well, he bodyguard was, to Prince Charles. No, no, no. You've got it totally wrong. Oh, I've got it wrong. He I'm was just... in the war with Lord Mountbatten. And then when, unfortunately, Mountbatten was killed, he went on to be the personal bodyguard of Prince Philip. Oh. and um, Which is Prince Charles's father. And Sorry. he was there... 
throughout all of the years he was Prince Philip's until he retired himself. George retired, I, I should imagine, in his 70s. I mean, he's over 100 now, George. Most fascinating man. But yeah, so we we had quite a lot of insight, haven't we, by talking to him about the royal family yeah, because he, and about a lot of it. He had a little caravan on the park. Well, I say little caravan. Oh, no, he had, he had a massive lodge. He had a massive lodge. And listen, we'd go around there, have a cup of tea yeah. or a little George glass of wine. Beautiful people. And yeah, they gave us some a real insight maybe into the And then he got his um, photo album out and you can see him with Princess Diana. Well, all the royals, all of them. All the royals. Lord Mountbatten when they're in the war. Everything. Fascinating man. But he will never... They've asked him to write books and he said oh, he'll never do it. He's amazingly loyal to the crown, isn't he, even now? And, um, and, and an amazing and listen, man. And I will always, always, always support the royals. I am a royalist. So am I. Through and through. Me too. Born one. Long live the queen. Long live the queen. God bless her heart. Yeah, God she's bless her. She's struggling at the minute, and you know. Well, she's she's a she's, she's a matriarch she, of our land. And listen, or she, many she, lands. She will she'll go strong. She'll she be alright. She'll be alright. She'll be alright. Good old girl. Good old Liz. Anyway, guys. So listen, I know that might have felt a, a bit erratic. I've covered a few bases there, but we've covered some historical facts. Yeah. Some maybe inspiration. Mm. We've covered some of the literature. We've mm. covered some real life stories. We've covered yeah. real life vampires. Yeah. We've covered syndromes that maybe cause vampirism. And we've even spoke about the royal families. You've had <laughs> a little bit of everything, guys. And um, listen, you all deserve it. This has been a long-awaited episode. It's been a long time since we've done a real feature length and a real deep now, dive. Now, can I just say something? It's Christmas next week. Mm-hmm. Are we doing an episode next week of Christmas week? Think carefully about that because we're both going to be busy doing family commitments or are we leaving it to the week after? No, we'll do one. We will do one. Right, you'll be coming around mine then. Yeah, for Christmas party. Right, well, you've only just mentioned the Christmas party earlier. Why do I have to host it? Well, why wouldn't you? Right, well, to be fair, I am back in St. Osif now. You're meant to be the boss. Well, I'm not the boss of anything. All right, then. Okay. No, hold on a minute. Okay, then. Thanks, Freddie. All right, I will be the boss. Now, just repeat that, please. Vanessa, you are... Just say it like this. You're officially the boss. You're officially a fucking idiot. Right, but you're hosting the Christmas party. Right, see, exactly. Change it, yeah. So you go and back guys, and listen, no promises, uh, but maybe we'll live stream it. We'll live stream the episode so you can join in with the fun frolicking. Hilarity. Hilarity. Fun. <laughs> fun and excitement. For all that it's worth. And we'll probably do that on TikTok. And, um, yeah, don't expect an hour. I mean, it, it'll, it'll go one way or another. It'll either be 20 minutes or three hours of solid. So I know what I'm, <laughs> I know what next episode will be. Mm. I think I might have a little deep dive into Krampus. Are we doing this live on TikTok? We'll do it live on TikTok. We'll record it. It will go out live to everyone. So, guys, listen. If you want to watch it live, go over to TikTok if you've got it and follow us on the Haunted Podcast Official. Um, we're quite big on there, guys. Listen, we, we're no silly little bastard on there. We've got over 30,000 followers. Oh. Ooh, matron. Um, and remember, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. You can find them all by typing in the Haunted Podcast Official. I will post 
all the links and everything in the episode description. You can email us directly at thehauntedpodcastofficial at gmail.com. And we'll be back for a little bit of festive fun. Shall we? Um, okay, then next week, get Jake to drop you off so you can have a booze when you're around. And we'll yep. have some nice single malt whiskey. It's the third time I've mentioned it this episode. So I think that's what we'll do, yeah? As long as you've you got any Rennie. Rennie? Yeah. Well, no, we can get some. Why does it give you heartburn? Yeah. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, that's not nice. What about a little brandy? Yeah, all right. Well, you can have brandy and I'll have whiskey. Oh, nice. Happy days. I got you. I could give you. I got you a little present as well. Have you? Only a little one. Like, <laughs> what is it when you look at me like that? I think it's something like a, a spider in a matchbox or something. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake! We'll reveal. We'll reveal all next week, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> be good. Be safe. Be honest, and we'll see you all soon. See you guys. Ciao for now. <laughs>